Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. You can, of course, always find us online. PathToZion.com is where all the audio um, editions are hosted, and then, of course, the videos here um, on our YouTube channel. So subscribe, won't you? Share these if you would like. And we are, are getting just started on the gospel. What if Christianity has never really known it? What if we've not really known what the gospel is? And just a very quick review so we can move on. In, in part one, we talked about how if you, ask, if you ask any just majority Christian believer to, to tell me what the gospel is, brother, just tell me what the gospel is. What's good news? They would very likely say something that's very close to this. Okay, so you are a sinner, you are hard-hearted, and God is righteous and holy, and he gave a law that can't be kept, which is not true, but that's the verbiage. And so the only way you can know him and be pleasing in his sight is to be found blameless and spotless and sinless. And you're not sinless, you're a sinner. So he sent himself in the form of a man, his name was Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross, sinless, to become a sacrifice, and he rose from the dead, conquered the grave, and he's in heaven now so that you can accept him in your heart, and now you become like he is, and you go to heaven too. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. You're not sinful anymore. Your sins are washed. And friends, I'm telling you, I'm not saying that that's not a component of the gospel in measure. Pieces of that aren't true, but but I'm telling you that, that the gospel, the good news, is something like this. All of this and the cross is this, okay? The, what we have been told is this has been the cross. We've said the cross is the gospel, the cross, for the most part, is the good news, the gospel message, salvation. But I'm telling you, according to the Bible now, not my opinion, according to the Bible, the cross is right here. You can't have the good news gospel without it, but you cannot either have many, many other components that run throughout it. Equally so. You can't remove any of it and still be what Father Purpose purpose perfectly and beautifully assembled for all of us to be invited into, but only according to his prescribed way. We must know who Yeshua is, and we must know what in the world the Bible tells us the gospel is. So we talked about in part one that there are, there are very many references to the good news, the gospel, being obeyed or disobeyed. So I presented, submitted in humility, the, the idea, the possibility that maybe the gospel is, in at least one way, an instruction. What if the gospel is an instruction? As I said in part one, I have never thought about that before in my life. What if the gospel is an instruction? It would seem very plausible when we see the verbiage not all obeyed the good news. Or, there are those who disobey the good news of God. And we, we, don't, we can't read all these all over again. So we're going to move on. We have to yield to what the Bible tells us the gospel is. And embrace what we are told and leave everything else behind. Or at least reappropriate it to its right 
its rightful place in the whole, so that we have a chance to know the full gospel. Okay? So, so as I said um, a little bit in part one, this, this shot off of a study I'm doing of Cornelius and Lydia. Uh, I think it's Acts 10 and Acts chapter 16. And in the midst of that, I spent time, I just, I spent some time camped out at Luke chapter 4, specifically um, 16 through 21, when Yeshua is found quoting Isaiah's prophecy about good news. And I got so hung up there, and I just, I remember just sitting back like, man, I've got to really think through this, and and what in the world is he talking about? We're going to get to that later, Um, but that's kind of where I shot off into this specifically. Um, And I started looking into this idea of the stumbling block Messiah. And and as I said in in part one, that I believe that we have to stumble over Messiah when we really encounter him, just like Paul did when, when we see him, we say, oh my gosh, I'm blinded by who he is. And exactly like his encounter, this Messiah is not at all like I thought. In his case, God is not who I thought he was. Right? Because what did Yeshua say? Why in the world are you persecuting me? Not my people, not my followers. Why in the world are you persecuting me, Shaul? So he gets up, he's blinded, and he moves on and out into what? A realization I'm proposing by metaphor and comparison of the fullness of what previously he had no idea, and he knew a whole lot. He had no idea of the fullness and how it had come, right? And we're we're in the same chair looking a different direction. We won't get into all that. That would take a lot of time. And so I just want to present what I think is a better um, explanation of the biblical full gospel. Um, let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we see the very beginning of Yeshua calling men to become fishers of other men. I was talking to a brother just a couple weeks back. I don't remember if he mentioned it or if I did, but we were talking about how even that was prophesied. The, the, I'm going to make you fishers of men is all the way back in Jeremiah, I believe it is. It's just the, the Bible's incredible, y'all. The Bible, when we're told it's living and active, that's no joke. If it's not living and active to us and like wrecking our entire lives when we read it and we're just like, oh my gosh, then friends, we're, I would say we're, we're not doing something right because it is, it is incredible, this word of God that we've been given. Now this says, quote, Now after John, uh, the immerser, John the Baptist, was put in jail, Yeshua came into the Galilee. And what was he doing? He was proclaiming the good news of his father, saying this, Now is the fullness of time. And the kingdom of my Father is near. Okay, so what should we do then? Turn away from your sins, Yeshua said, and believe in the good news. So we talked about in part one that we are to obey the good news. We're to obey the gospel. Now, Yeshua shows up here, Mark um, chapter 1, early on now in what's going on in the, in the timeline of his life. And what does he say? Believe in the good news. Okay, so we can we can obey it and we can believe it. Two things to just note that these are different now. Okay? At this time, the good news Messiah had arrived, and he was ready to walk into his purpose. But what was his purpose in fullness? What was the good news that he was coming and saying we needed to believe? Okay? 
Now, now let's move to uh, Philip and the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. I've taught on that several times. We'll try to maybe link to that if, if, you're, if you love that account like I do. And, and this is what happened. We're going to quote this here. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humi- humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and he began with this scripture, with this prophecy in Isaiah. Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch the good news about Yeshua. And so I want to talk for a few minutes about how I believe we have got to be like this and be like, what are you talking about? Because here we are in Christian America, we're so arrogant and prideful, we believe we were basically born followers of Messiah. The way we act, the way we talk, the way we say we believe, it's just inherent. We just, yes, I'm a Christian, I believe in the gospel. But I would say we need to be more like this eunuch and others we're going to list a laundry list of people who show a pattern of humility to say, what are you talking about? I don't understand. And friend, I'm telling you, maybe it's very likely that you have not understood this Messiah who said we must believe in the good news. I myself am having to unlearn and learn many things in regards to my Messiah's purpose and why he really came that is really I don't I don't wrestle with it. It's to me it's just reappropriating and, and correctly understanding what the word of God says is true. Um, but for many people it's hard to lay down their their previous beliefs. I understand that. I still have that issue with other areas of my life. But to put it another way, we're going to use scripture to propose the question. If you've never stumbled upon Yeshua, can you know him as he truly is? And we're going to talk about that for the next little bit. Can you know Yeshua without stumbling upon him? The ver- we, we, we're going to look at this, and, and, and I'm going to have to bring this out. The Father's going to have to help me. There's a ton of content here. But let's start with Matthew um, chapter 26. Yeshua is with his closest disciples. He's about to be arrested. Please pay attention to this next part. This resonates with me. I believe Holy Spirit wants to speak to us something in this right here. So please uh, pay close attention. And this is what Yeshua says, Matthew 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Yeshua said to them, You will all fall away. You will all stumble or you will be offended if we use the word correctly in its expanded understanding, okay? So he says to all his closest followers, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 33 of Matthew 26, Peter speaks up and he answers Yeshua. What does he say? We all know, but please pay attention. Don't write this off because you know it. I'm going to present something to you you've maybe never thought of before. He says this, Peter does. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Yeshua said to him, Truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me 
three times. Peter said to Yeshua, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Please listen to what I'm going to say for the next few minutes. This is very this is of utmost importance. Now Peter, okay, now who was Peter? Interestingly, Peter was the one who who the called out assembly is going to be erected upon. Yeshua said that himself. The rock. Why would all of them become offended? We're going to get to answering some of these. People were having to encounter that this man, Yeshua, was not who they thought he was or found to be doing what they thought he should be doing. How many times do we see in the account of Yeshua's life where people say, in paraphrase, are you serious? This is not how a king acts. Are you setting up a kingdom or what? Because we're ready to be your royal subjects. Messiah, are you Messiah? Because we have preconceived notions of who Messiah is going to be and what he's going to do. And man, you just don't seem to be fitting the bill, right? That's what they said. We could read endless examples of that unfolding in different ways. And friends, we have done the same. We have seen Yeshua through a skewed lens and we have made him to be someone he is not. We have created, I would say, and please This hurts. There's no way to make this gentle or soft. There's no way to. I've tried for years. We have set up an idol, and we've named him Jesus, and we have made him the God-man who forgave our sins, and we ask him into our heart, and he gives us freedom to do whatever we want now, and we go and live with him in heaven. Friends, this has that, that doctrine has nothing at all to do with this word of God. It is a fabricated false god. It is idolatry. I don't care how prevalent it is in Christianity. That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. And we're going to get to at the culmination of this study. Who knows when we're going to get there. We talk about the warning that we were given. It says, be careful to follow after any other Messiah that's different than the one we're preaching to you. Friends, that's what the Christian church has done. We those of us who were in or those of us who are in now, whichever camp we fall into, have believed a false Messiah that offers us something that is not true and is not the gospel. It's not the good news, and we have to reckon with that and allow the Word of God to clear up all of the confusion and fables that we have inherited and even taught to our own families. Praise the Father, we've not done that here. My son's 10. He knows nothing about asking Jesus into your heart. He knows nothing about an American Jesus that gives you blessing and favor and whatever you want. He does not know that Jesus. He knows the Yeshua of the Bible, all these things. Not because we've done anything so wonderfully right, but because Father's been good to show us who he is. I don't know why. I shouldn't know anything, and I don't know much. But Peter, of course, vehemently says, man, I'm never going to deny you, Lord. Never. They might, but I won't. But Yeshua said, you will all be offended. All of you will be offended. Please, please pay attention. This is so important right here. 
people were having to, the disciples were always encountering. What did they say? What did the people always say? Who, who is this man? I'm looking at Yeshua. (laughs) Who is this guy? We're running off lepers. We're telling children to buzz off. He's going towards them and calling them to himself. This is not a Messiah King. (laughs) Friends, we have to acknowledge that we've not known him either. We've not known him. (laughs) I'm okay with saying that. Are you? (laughs) That's our only hope to know him for who he really is, you know. So let's read on. We know what happens that continues on in this in this um, uh, this text uh, later in Matthew. I believe it's twenty six, if I'm following correctly. But I want to read it because I feel like Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes you're studying the Word, and it's like it just it's like it just jumps off at you, like oh my gosh, that's it. Okay, so this is transpiring. Okay, um, Yeshua's arrest. We know the scenario. They're eating the meal, and and he's betrayed, and all these things are happening. And So let's pick up right there. So then they who came for him seized Yeshua, and they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. Make a note of that. Verse 55, And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him, seeing Peter, as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, she's looking over across the campfire there. She says, this man, he was with Yeshua. He was with him. But he, Peter, denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. Please listen to what I'm about to say. This is so, this is huge. Please listen to what I'm going to say. I would like to submit in humility that this is something Holy Spirit is saying to us right now. Using the Word of God, not on our own opinion or our own prophecy I had after eating a burrito at midnight last night. Okay, the Word of God now. I want to propose that on a spiritual level, what Peter said was absolutely true. When Peter looked at this servant girl across the fire and she said, you, you were one of them. You were one of of the followers of the rabbi. And he denied it. And he said, woman, I do not know that man. I'm saying he was saying something true. He didn't know Yeshua. You hear what I'm saying? And we the called-out assembly that's built upon this man here, the rock, Peter, we've not known him either. We've not known him either. Now, to use this word rightly now, the Greek word, I don't know him in this sense, is to, it's, it's, it's edu, perceive, discern rightly according to the senses. In other words, I'm saying... Now, and just stay with me now. Don't be like, well, that's just all super hyper-spiritualism there. Please follow along and at least consider what I'm saying. I believe this is true because from Peter's vantage point and his assessment of what he wanted Yeshua to be and what he wanted Yeshua to accomplish, Peter did not rightly understand or perceive that man. The, excuse me, the God-man. Yeshua the Messiah. The Emmanuel, right before him, in front of him, being led away from him, Peter did not see 
the Messiah correctly. And I would say he didn't therefore understand the fullness of the gospel because he did not perceive it well from the vantage point of everything Yeshua said he was. And we have done the exact same thing. One of the gospel accounts, and it's in another one as well, but we just read it here, that, that Peter followed Yeshua at a distance as, as Yeshua is being led away. Again, I would say more spiritual imagery. Because, of course, Peter was vehemently strong. Sure, I will never deny you. And, friends, he meant it. He meant it like we would. But Messiah knew. What was Messiah always saying to his followers? Y'all don't get it. You don't understand. And you, you know what? In his compassion and his goodness and mercy and kindness, said, you know what? You just can't yet. You just can't. You're not ready. <laughs> to all you I'm speaking to in parables, why? You just don't get it. You don't understand. But you will. But you will. <laughs> so as we read, Yeshua told the disciples that all of them, every single one of them, would be offended. Why? Why would they be offended? Why would they stumble upon him? Because again, he said, tonight, every single one of you will fall away, be offended by me, because of me. Okay, and we have to understand this, this verbiage in its fullness of understanding. To stumble over, to fall away, and to be offended by or with. I'm making a point. I hope this is clear. Why does this matter? Well, because people were having to encounter the fact right in front of their face that this Messiah was not who they thought he was. Nor was he doing what they thought he should be doing. And friend, I'm telling you this because I feel like the Christian church that I've known, and many of us even beyond that have come out of the church and our eyes have been opened to many things, outside of the religious system, but we've still not known Yeshua's true purpose or his identity. And I believe the, scripture is, the scriptures are, are illuminating the pattern of humanity and even the pattern of, of Yeshua's followers, even disciples. I want to submit that we today will also be offended if we discover who this God-man was and now is, yet don't yield to what the scriptures tells us that he came to accomplish. And what we've been talking about a lot, what? That he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If we don't understand that, and if we are looking from a distance, and we're saying, we don't know. I, I don't know him. I don't know that Messiah. Friends, listen to what I'm saying. When we study, this is what I'm saying now. I'll put it all on me. I'll put it all on me. When I study this word of God right now today, and I study Yeshua, and I study him through the lens of the prophets, and I study him through the understanding of the Torah, and sacrificial system, and the temple, and revelation, and what's to come, and what's prophesied in a millennial kingdom reign. When I put it through the whole thing, and I take Yeshua from beginning to end with no excerpts removed out, you know what I'm finding? I don't know Yeshua. I don't know him. I've not known my Messiah. 
And that offends me. And it causes me to stumble because it threatens every single thing that I have perceived him errantly to be. And therefore, what? I have never really known the gospel. And that offends me. Because I'm encountering Yeshua through the lens of the Word of God and not through doctrines or religion or my own make-believe world in my mind of who He is and what He was doing and what the gospel even is. So thereby, I have to stumble upon Him. Just like He said to every disciple, are we, or number one, are we beyond the disciples? Are we better than them? Are you kidding me? All of them were told that all of you will stumble over me tonight. You will all be offended and you will all fall away. And friends, I'm telling you, according to the word of God, I am convinced that we have to, that we must, that we must look at him for who he really is. And when we see who he really is, we're offended. We're stumbled. Why? To make it clear, in case I'm not already. Because we have to lay down our preconceived ideas of who Messiah is and what the gospel good news is. And we have to lay it down. We have got to yield and surrender what we think he is and what the gospel is. Or there's no hope for us. I'm telling you, we're disobedient to the gospel if we do not believe it for what it is, according to the word of God alone. Now, the Christian church that I have known has elevated themselves above the disciples. We know Jesus, right? We know Jesus, and it's shameful if you don't. If you can't quote certain verses or have certain answers to certain questions, you're not really a Christian. We've got so many things so wrong. I would submit that both Jew and Gentiles have become offended Because Yeshua, by biblical definition, is not who we thought he should have been. The Jews were disappointed because he doesn't look like what we think a king should be. The Gentiles were offended because he came and did all these crazy signs and wonders and said all these different things and called them to the ancient way reality. So it was hard for everybody to receive him, and rightly so. (laughs) We've not known him. We've missed his true identity and purpose. The Jews, in blinded eyes for the most part, have missed that he's Messiah. Many, the Gentiles, in ignorance, have thought he simply died on the cross and freed them to live however they want and give them access to heaven. False Messiah. Not the biblical Messiah that we have been handed down to from those who wrote the word of God. Both have missed his identity. Again, Yeshua told all of his disciples they would all fall away. We'd better be careful that we have not been convinced otherwise, that there's no way. We'd be like Peter. Ah, you telling me I don't know Jesus? I'll never, ever deny Jesus. We have to know. We have to know who we are. Our frailty. Our error. What's the big deal? We have error everywhere in us. It's no surprise. It shouldn't be. For the humble man, it's it's in us all. Let's look at David. David, 2 Samuel, uh, to make a point, um, and then we'll move on. 
So Yahweh sends Nathan to David. This, this is going to make the, the word of God has an answer and a response to every single thing, friend. Do you know that? <laughs> I'm learning that still myself. We know this account. Yahweh sends Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, quote, There's two men in the same city. One is rich and the other is poor. The rich man had an exceedingly huge flock and herd, but the poor man, he didn't have anything at all, except for one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. This lamb ate from his own food and drank from his own cup and nestled in his bosom, and it was like unto him as a daughter. Verse 4, A traveler came to the rich man, but he was unwilling to take one from his own flock or herd to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's lamb and he prepared it for the man that had come to him. David's anger blazed hot against this man who would do such a thing, he said to Nathan. The following. As Yahweh lives, the man that did this deserves to die. So he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did such a thing and he showed no pity. Then Nathan looked at David he said, guess what, brother? The man is you. Friends, the man is us. We are that guy. We can't look at everybody else anymore and say, they don't get it. They don't get it. They are just trying to be Jewish. Their calendar's wrong. They don't know God. They'll never know God like me. They're doing this. They're not doing that. Friend, how about right here? We better be careful. The word of God is full of warnings for every single one of us to be careful that we're not the man we're actually calling out. And I'm telling you, first and foremost, right here, front and center, I'm this guy. I'm the guy who has not properly, according to Scripture, seen Yeshua. I've not known him. I've not known the gospel. <laughs> Sorry, you can't point fingers at me and say, well, you're doing that, brother. You're getting down on me, telling me I don't know Yeshua. I've not known him. And I've been a believer for a pretty long time, okay? I'm fully convinced that the Christian church of 2022 needs to hear this. We have been the offended ones worthy of death in our rebellion and hard-heartedness, just like the warning from Nathan to David. The church blames every single other thing and every other person, <laughs> yet is usually unwilling to admit her own error, ignorance, and guilt for not receiving Yeshua's true purpose. Matthew 24.10, the disciples have just asked Yeshua what the sign of his coming would be. He tells them many things. He tells them a whole laundry list of things. And then he says this, they're just birth pangs anyway. But then he goes on, and, and, and please listen carefully to this. Matthew chapter 24. Yeshua tells these men some pretty, some pretty tough news. But please pay attention. They will hand you over to persecution. They will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. And then many will fall away. Okay, again, I have to say this to make sure you're following along. They will fall away. They will be offended. They will stumble. Okay? And they will betray one another, and they will even hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Why? 
because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Please pay attention to this, the most careful of all. Verse 14, Matthew 24. This gospel, okay, this good news of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Okay? So, man, we could we could spend an hour unpacking this verse, or these four or five verses. Yeshua is saying, because lawlessness is going to multiply, and, and many are going to fall away, many are going to stumble and be offended, and this gospel, the good news of the kingdom, is going to be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all the Gentiles, all the Goyim nations, and then the end comes. So, so when presented with, with what Yeshua really came to do, to come and, and, and find the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the restoration of making those scattered amongst the nations into a people that are Yahweh's possession, we will all be, or have been by then, offended. We will fall away. Number one, because it's not what we were told. Many are going to fall away because I say this all the time in, in a million different ways. So many people are going to fall away and stumble and be offended because this isn't what this isn't what my denomination taught me. Why am I still here during a tribulation time and I didn't get raptured out? Brother Jim told me I'm getting raptured out of here and I'm still here. Why? And they're going to be angry. They're going to be offended when the rapture doctrine does not play out because it's not scriptural. They're going to be offended because things will not unfold how they were told. Number two, Yeshua's purpose is simply not limited to what we thought it was. Paraphrased, it's not about us. It's not all about us. I said this in I don't know how many programs as of late. The the phrase we've all heard that Yeshua, Jesus would have died for you, friend, if you were the only human being on the earth. And that's the gospel message. And that's the nasty taint that I can't stand anymore about the individual what we get out of it gospel, which isn't even the gospel. Because he he would have come probably for just you, but he didn't. <laughs> his purpose was to come to fulfill his father's plan to redeem all mankind and gather all of the people scattered amongst the nations that can come back and be his father's possession again. And many people are going to be offended when they're not raptured out and, and, and something much different than what they've been told is unfolding. <clears throat> Let's bring this one to a close. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. You see, it's It's everywhere. <laughs> He will be a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken, and they shall be snared and taken. Now go to Matthew 11. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent word by his disciples and said, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And Yeshua answered and said, Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. 
blind receive sight, lame walk, lepers cleanse, deaf hear, dead raised up, and the poor have had good news preached to them. And he concludes with this, which is why I'm reading Matthew 11. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And again, offended, caused to be displeased, indignant, or to stumble and fall away. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. Okay? <laughs> like there, there's a, a theme all throughout the Word of God about this offense and stumbling when we encounter Messiah for who he really is. <sighs> May we not remain in that place. We have to be. I think we have to be. I think from according to the Word of God, we have to have that moment like Shaul Paul did where he encountered Messiah for who he really was and says, forgive me. You are not at all who I thought. And again, I think the word of God is clear. That's the pattern. When men truly encounter Yeshua in his fullness, any of them that are honest say, you're not who I thought you were. And then from what we do from there is up to us. I'm saying that we today here in 2022 must do the same. I think that's what the Spirit is saying. As we examine the gospel, and what if Christianity has never really known it? What if we've just not known the gospel? We have made it something it never was, and we have demeaned it, we've lessened it, and we've made it much, much smaller. And, and sadly, we've made it all about us, and it's not about us. It's about Father's plans and purposes that far supersede an individual salvation. It is much, much greater. So we are going to continue to talk about it. Next, we are going to move into Luke chapter 4. Man, Luke, this is going to be awesome, Luke chapter 4. I mean, awesome. Matthew 13, John 16, tons more scripture to come. We're moving into halfway already. We're doing good. We're cruising. Thank you for watching. This is the Path Design Podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Tune back in, won't you? And uh, let's find out more about what the Word of God says about this beautiful gospel, the good news. Um, thank you, and uh, come back for the next installment. Amen.